Welcome to School Talk Podcast. Welcome to School Talk Podcast. This is a podcast made by two best friends who love podcasts. The name of this podcast actually originated from our husbands. Whenever the four of us are together, we always talk about school and they always tell us to stop the school talk. So I hope you enjoy our first episode of School Talk. This podcast is for educators everywhere. We know that educators aren't just classroom teachers. They can be librarians, literacy coaches, principals, administrators, anyone that works with kids. Since our voices are new to the podcast, we thought we'd introduce ourselves. I'm Brittany. And I'm Meredith. And we are both first grade teachers in Lexington, South Carolina. We've both been teaching for nine years. Fun fact, Brittany and I actually met freshman orientation at the University of South Carolina. So you know that awkward time where you don't know anybody, you sign up for your classes and get a tour. Well, I sat next to this girl and we've been best friends ever since. And we've also been roommates. So needless to say, we've known each other for a little while now, or a long time. Um, And even though we have a lot of the same theory going to college together, uh, we both have personal experiences that have shaped who who we are as educators as well as teaching in different schools. So yes, we have a lot of the same theory, but different experiences. On today's podcast, we're talking about all things inquiry. Meredith, would you like to talk about what you think is inquiry? Sure. So in my learning of inquiry, I feel like it is an approach when kids come to their own understanding rather than the teacher telling them the information. It gives them a space to be curious and to ask questions, and that's where their learning comes from. What do you think, Brittany? Absolutely. I totally agree. I believe that inquiry is an approach to learning in which students are actively engaged in their learning process. So the traditional of us sitting and getting, instead kids are asking questions, they're working collaboratively, they're researching um, and presenting their learning in an actionable way. So I heard you say it's not a sit and get or a lecture. So if the teacher is not up there giving the students information, what is the teacher doing? Instead, this teacher is more of a facilitator. So teachers are doing a lot of modeling, they're sharing their thinking, um, and then as they send students off to be independent and work in their groups, they're coaching and they're guiding students through the inquiry process. So Brittany, when I hear the definition of inquiry, it sounds like this could be a pretty big mind shift change for many teachers out there. So why should we be teaching with inquiry? That's a great question, Meredith. As teachers, it's our job to prepare students for a world that looks much different than the one we live in today. We need to engage students in a learning environment that embeds the four C's of communication, collaboration, critical thinking, and creativity. The inquiry process covers these four C's. Not only does it prepare students for a changing world, it transforms our classrooms into authentic communities that encourage students to be engaged and global citizens. I 100% agree. I listened to a podcast the other day, actually by Angela Watson, it's called Truth For Teachers, and her episode was called Using Inquiry to Help Develop Critical Consciousness in Students. And that word critical consciousness has kind of stuck with me. I think it means to teach kids how to think. Isn't that what we want to do in our classrooms, is teach kids how to think, not just sit and get our content, uh, but teach them how to research, how to think for themselves, and I think that's going to make the world a better place. Okay, now that we have some of this heady theory behind us of what is inquiry, let's now dive into what does it look like in a classroom. Brittany, let's walk through what does it look like in an elementary school classroom, a middle school classroom, and even a high school classroom. These examples we're going to share with you today came from a book called Comprehension and Collaboration, Inquiry Circles in Action, written by Stephanie Harvey and Harvey Daniels. 
And it gave us several different examples we're going to share. The first one we want to talk about is the kindergarten classroom we read about. This was such an exciting read because this is the kind of classroom I want to be in as a teacher and a student. Um, so let's walk us through, let's walk them through what that looked like. This was a kindergarten classroom doing a unit on Antarctica. And before they kind of start or as they started, um, I noticed the teacher was just noting down what do the kids think they knew. I love that she worded it like that. She says, what we think we know. And they made a list. And the reason she chose that wording is what do we think we know is to introduce them to misconceptions. Um, there are some things that they know that are probably wrong. Um, they attached a read aloud about our, do polar bears live in Antarctica. And it really just let them understand that even though they knew a little bit about Antarctica already, some of those things may not have been true. Absolutely. One thing that I really liked that they brought our attention to was just really finding like visual rich um, images to really show students because there's a lot to be learned through that um, to build their background knowledge about a standard. So I feel like they did a really great job of laying out um, what the beginning of the unit was like to build their background knowledge. And then they did a lot of modeling over and over about how to draw and write about new information. So they were modeling their thinking and then sending students off to do their own thinking for the day, and then they would spend each day sharing about what they learned. So really helping the students understand Antarctica as a place. And in a kindergarten classroom, it's kind of hard for me, teaching first grade, to know how my kids are going to take notes because their reading and writing skills just aren't at a note-taking level yet. But I know by seeing this example, it helped me understand. They just had a paper, and it had sentence starters on it. So it was like one piece of writing paper, and it said, I wonder, dot, dot, dot. And they things they were wondering about Antarctica, or I noticed, and they filled in the sentence, or I learned, and they were able to, it's a big picture box, and just like one line of writing, and so that helped me understand, like, that's note-taking for a kindergarten class, and they were keeping their thinking and making kind of a book about what they were learning so far, so that helped me as an early childhood educator understand note-taking and inquiry. Um, and then it felt like in the unit, then she started modeling, how do we get our answers our questions answered. She modeled how to, we can read to find our answers, or we can view a picture on how to answer our questions, or we can talk to someone who's an expert on the subject matter. So I felt like a lot of this was her modeling how to research. I agree. She did a lot of modeling, and I love how she really came up with her own wonderings first, and then led the kids through like making a list of their own wonderings. One thing that really stands out to me about inquiry is just the choice that students have. They're allowed to choose what they want to investigate more and they're working collaboratively with students in their class that also want to know more about the same topic. So I love the choice in there. It makes kids be a lot more engaged and more excited about what they're learning and it just gives them a more authentic purpose for why they're learning. And I think a big part of that is what you said is the teacher modeled her curiosity first off of what she was wondering about Antarctica and I feel like that is vital for inquiry. Um, another thing they did is they had a place in the room where they could post their, their learning, but also their questions. The example in the book we read had, you know, a student created penguin and they would put their thinking about penguins on there. So I really appreciated seeing a place in the room that helped the curiosity keep going, um, helped further their curiosity, but also give them a place to put their thinking down too. Um, and she called it a researcher's workshop. I absolutely love that name. Yeah, and we'll talk a little too. bit more about that later. Um, but then it kind of dived into small inquiry circles. So they kind of picked a part of the, of the Antarctica topic that they wanted to research more. Um, and they were to research more after her modeling and to create a poster. Yeah, and so the students, once they created their poster, they actually shared it with other 
classes in the school and what really stood out to me is the kids being like so excited for other kids to come in and like listen to their presentation and then to leave them feedback and ask even more questions it gave the kids like a really authentic audience to really work on their project um, for and I love how she talked into how to help kindergartners like figure out how to present their material she talked about modeling and she talked about going to look at other students and noticing how kids and other grade levels in the hallway, their displays, they're labeling their work. Um, and then she also talked about how like hold on to previous year's examples to share kids, share with kids as well. Yeah, that was neat. I don't think as an educator I've ever taught kids how to make a poster or yeah. getting them or gotten them to go look at an older kid's poster to see what a poster's made of. I think we just assumed that kids know how to do that. But in the early grades, they really don't. So that was really powerful to me. And then lastly, she said she also had an individual assessment when they got back after presenting. She gave them each a map of Antarctica, and they had to write down and draw everything they knew about Antarctica. And I love that piece, too, because I feel like as educators, a lot of times we have to get grades for things or assess a kid. And it's much easier to do that when they're working alone. And this allowed for her to assess her kids individually, but also allow them that collaboration that's so vital. Absolutely. Now let's jump over to middle school. And the really cool thing about inquiry is regardless of the grade level, the process looks the same or very similar at least. Um, I love how in the book Comprehension and Collaboration, there was a quote that says, you simply can't ask a very good question about something you know little about. So once again, when you start a new inquiry unit, really thinking about how to build students' background knowledge. And we can do this by interacting with multiple forms of text and videos, picture books, podcasts, um, and just having the students really take the time to talk about it, build a content word wall, um, and begin to start asking questions. And once they've done this, um, having students really narrow in on what they want to learn more about and thinking about the questions that they have um, that they want to research even deeper into. And then once they have researched deeper, uh, thinking about how they can present that information and giving them choice with that of how they want to share their learning um, and also trying to help them channel them into thinking about how can I authentically um, share this and make a change in the world through it. So in the middle school example they gave us, they talked about the human body and how, to, how she led an inquiry unit on the seven systems of the body. So she began by just letting students read articles and newspaper articles and magazines about the different parts of the body and then they dug a little deeper into which one that they wanted um, to know more about so she gave them a survey and they already started thinking about which one was the most interesting to them and what questions they already had um, i loved how in the middle school when she takes the time to really set ground rules for inquiry groups she made a chart with them so every day when they went off to go work in their small groups they reviewed the chart to talk about what the expectations were and then she did a lot of modeling of her annotating her thoughts. And so she noticed that her students, that their note-taking was kind of all over the place. It was lengthy. They didn't have much of a focus. So she took the time to really model asking a question before you get started reading and then using that to kind of help you focus your note-taking um, to help answer your questions. And the way that the students did that, they once they had found their information about their question, they actually published a medical journal, which is a very applicable and practical way to share their learning. And one thing that really stood out to me is she talked about there were two kids that were really unengaged. And I think as teachers, we all have students that are like that. Um, so she talked about just being flexible with like what they come up with that they want to know more about and what they want to research more about. She said there were like two students. She went over to them on the computer. They were like looking up the NBA 
Um, nothing to do with the circulatory system they were supposed to be. And they kind of said that, hey, like our group didn't want to talk about malaria like we did. And so she just let them form their own inquiry circle. And the really cool thing is that they ended up making a connection to the MBA about how there's a program called Nothing But Nets. And it purchases, for $10, they could purchase a net for a, um, a bed in Africa to keep the mosquitoes away. And so they were able to like present that to their class and make it just a very actionable, real-world project that they could do um, in their class. So I thought that was really cool that she was able to get her unengaged students engaged again um, to talk about something that they were interested in. So now let's jump to high school. What does this look like in a high school classroom? Me being a first grade teacher, this was a little hard for me to grasp, but the more I read about it, the more it is just that same format that Brittany was talking about earlier, building background knowledge, um, asking questions, researching your questions and presenting. Um, so the one I read about in comprehension and collaboration was called Sugar and Civil Rights. And it actually started with the teacher's personal experience. She had traveled to the Dominican Republic and on her way to a resort was just astounded by the poverty she saw. And the more she saw it, the more uncomfortable she got with it. And she learned that they're called batets, I believe that's how you say it. And they're old sugar plantations and sugar mills. And just since the decline in the 1980s, the sugar mills had just gone so downhill and the Haitians and Dominicans that work there don't even have running water and really just poor working and living conditions and they live there as well. Um, and she was just really bothered by this poverty. So she knew when she got back to school, she needed to teach about civil rights. And so she used her personal experience to tie in and teach them about civil rights using this example of the sugar plantations. So first of all, she had to build her students' background knowledge. Many of them didn't know anything about the Dominican or even where it was or that it was a country. So she started, just like in the other units, building their background knowledge. And she kind of proposed just two big questions as they were learning about it. Why have the working conditions gotten so bad and who's responsible for this? So why and how? She stated that the kids zoomed right past these two big questions and answered so many more. Um, and kids... The kids in the class listed their questions on just tons and tons of chart paper. And she said she generally just was interested in every one of those questions. And it showed their personal connection to the topic, which I think is interesting to see through their connections or through their questions. And then she divided it into categories, categories such as health, government, um, poverty, and things like that to help kind of form these subgroups. And from there is where the small group inquiries started. So students were able to choose their category they wanted to research more, and they asked more questions and researched more, and of course, she, she was modeling how to do that. Um, she said she ran into a little bit of a dead end because there's not a lot of research out there for this, but she ended up finding a photographer who had visited the same area, and they were emailing him back and forth a lot of questions. So that was a really authentic way to research. Um, and then by the end, she asked the students to make a monologue or a reader's theater. Um, to act out what it was like to live and work on a batay. Um, and they performed it as their final accumulating project. So what is so neat about this is, one, it drew from her personal experience. She could have taught a lot about the civil rights, but these students learned in such an authentic way. They built their knowledge, but on top of that, they built their empathy. By performing and acting out, they really understood and built some really good empathy. And we talk about that as educators all the time, how our students we teach today don't have empathy, but we can build it into these inquiry units. And I think she just, she did just that. So she also taught them just an important message throughout this unit that inquiring into our own discomfort 
you can make a difference in the world. So it's because of her individual discomfort seeing the poverty in Dominican that led them to this discovery and this research. So I think that is just a powerful message in all of this that teaches those kids to be critical thinkers, to um, inquire into their own discomforts. So Brittany, the more we talk about inquiry, the more excited I get, the more awesome it sounds. But realistically thinking as a classroom teacher, where's the balance between having a pre-planned unit and these inquiry units? You know, I think about in our district, we have these curriculum unit plans that are pre-planned for us, almost daily guides. So how do we find the balance of having a pre-planned units and leaving room for inquiry? It's a great question, Meredith. And I think we have to look at our standards as a whole and remember that not every standard is best taught through inquiry, but instead we need to think about which one of the standards can we authentically connect to our students' lives and using those standards to help guide our inquiry units. Also, I think that science and social studies tend to lend better to an inquiry unit. So maybe starting there as a beginning, a starting place, and then as our years of teaching go on to find places more and more to add more inquiry in. And we've talked about too, like their projects or their end result being an actionable thing, something that can change the world around them. So when I think about science and social studies, it is about their world around them. So having that last project being something that creates or does something actionable, I think that's, you can kind of start with the end in mind. Absolutely. Now that you've heard all about inquiry, if you're an educator and you're looking to embed more inquiry into your classroom, um, here's a few suggestions of how you can do that. One suggestion we have is just to celebrate curiosity in your classroom, whether that's a place for them to leave sticky notes or a running list of questions. Um, just celebrate curiosity, model it and celebrate it. Yeah, I think we're so quick to say like, go look it up. And instead we wanna make sure that kids have um, knowledge about how actually to go and look it up. So sometimes it just means that in a time of your unit that you would just stop and look up the question. And so one way to kind of do that quickly is through a micro unit and a micro unit is just can be as simple as a kid having a question from their reading and you stop and you look it up on the internet or you call in an expert in your school or it might be something that you do over a couple of days, but it's not a full inquiry lengthy process that we talked about in some of these other classrooms. Another idea we have is just like one question a day. When Brittany and I were planning this, we were talking about just our closing circles at the end of the day. If kids had a place to to drop questions like a jar or even a board and you drew out a question a day and even if you just simply looked it up on Google, you know, that is that is keeping the curiosity going in your classroom but also getting some of their questions answered and it's also showing them that research isn't hard. It can be done quickly. Um, I see that fitting in very easily from the get-go um, in a classroom without having to plan a whole unit. Absolutely. I love how you talked about building it into your closing circle because that would be a great way to end each day. Um, before students leave. Another thing we talked about is really try to find a friend to join you in this. Um, this can be a little overwhelming, so having a friend that you know you can sit down and plan with and think through the units and really back map how you plan to use the units, um, I think that would be really helpful. So find a friend on your grade level. It might even be somebody else in your school, like a librarian or a counselor, um, even a school resource officer possibly, um, just to kind of get a different perspective about how this unit could go as well um, and inviting them into your classroom to really help lead to the inquiry. I think we talked about in the Antarctica unit, um, she had our librarian come in and she said that by the end of the end of it, the kids could see the library as a place for research, um, which is a really cool understanding for kids to get. 
I think I'm guilty of just asking my librarian just to pull books for me rather than diving into the whole inquiry unit with us. So I think that that person right now is somebody I want to join up and team up with for next year just to join us in our research and inquiry. So I think that's powerful. Um, another thing that I love and I want to implement right away is calling it a researcher's workshop. We were talking about science and social studies being so easily, can lend itself to inquiry. So what if during these inquiry models, you call it a researcher's workshop? I think the kids would become familiar with it. I can even picture that like on our I can statements. When it comes time for your inquiry unit, you call it your researcher's workshop. And just that language helps them understand, okay, now we're diving in and we're researching. So I definitely want to implement that terminology in my classroom. That may be a suggestion for you as well. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that kids would really, it just already builds the excitement by calling it a researcher's workshop. They're so used to hearing writing workshop and reading workshop in our classrooms. Um, and that also puts the work back on the kids more than the teachers. So I think just helping them bring awareness to that. Um, the other thing we talked about is just being self-aware of yourself um, as an adult and how we do research. We research all the time to buy a new car or to pick out what kind of food we're going to eat. Um, we look up what new restaurants are in the town that we're visiting um, that we want to check out. And so just showing kids how we go about that process and how important curiosity is. So listeners, our charge to you today after listening to the podcast is to start with one unit next school year. I know the school year has a lot of questions of how it's going to look. However, we know we're going to be teaching students. And so we challenge you to pick one unit that lends itself to an inquiry unit. Brittany, do you have any in mind for the upcoming school year? Yeah, the one that sticks in my mind right away is our communities unit that we do at the very beginning of the year. I think that would be a great one for an inquiry project. And I was thinking more science-based, um, our plant unit. Kids come with so many so many questions about plants and a lot of misconceptions as well. So I think that would be an exciting one to dive into and use the inquiry model. Okay, Brittany, as we finish out our podcast on inquiry, since our podcast is called School Talk, let's have some non-school talk. I think it'd make our husbands proud. <laughs> what are you doing right now that it's non-school talk? My non-school talk that I've been really excited about is just having more time to spend with family and friends. I'm looking forward to a fun lake day with some friends on Friday and catching up with some friends that I haven't seen in a while. What about you, Meredith? My non-school talk that I've enjoyed lately, since um, we're still somewhat quarantined, I've just been spending more time at home, um, but not teaching school, I have a little more energy to cook, and that's been fun. I don't necessarily love cooking during the school year just because I'm tired and on my feet all day. Um, but I've enjoyed cooking here lately and also tending, I have a summer garden. So tending to my summer garden has been super fun and bountiful. So that's always enjoyable. Um, and also my husband, it's all relates around food, but my husband got a grill, um, I guess at Christmas, but it's just been really fun to experiment with some new things and he's enjoying cooking on that. So it's nice to have a partner in the kitchen, but That concludes our first episode of School Talk. Um, I think we've had enough School Talk for today, uh, but we hope you join us on our next podcast for some School Talk. (laughs) 